The following resource is presented by the Counseling and Conference Services of IOM America. Welcome to Identity Matters Podcast. Hi, my name is Steve Finney and I will be your speaker today. Every believer needs to understand who they are in Christ in our new series, Identity Theft. We'll do just that. Help each believer truly know who they are in Christ. Thank you for joining us. Believer and even the non-believers that are listening to the podcast, I want to thank you for joining us. This is number 140 in our Identity Matters series. This is a sub-series we're doing called The Identity Theft, and we're on number eight of those messages. Tonight's message is actually called Childhood Rejections. We're going to go through a very extensive list of how the enemy is trying to destroy you from being able to hear Christ's mind in you or Christ speak in you. And the way that he accomplishes that is through these childhood rejections. I have picked out a handful of sound doctrinal statements that have come out of the mouth of the living God, and I'm going to show you how the enemy handles children in such a way that when they do become indwelt by Jesus Christ, they cannot accept these things. Now here's what the enemy really wants us to do. He wants minimally, if he suspects that you're going to become indwelt by Jesus Christ one day, because I'm not sure he really knows, but I think that Satan is able to observe where the Holy Spirit is at work. We don't live in that spirit world. We don't see what's going on around us, but... Certainly, the enemy knows where the Holy Spirit is actively moving. And so I think the application for the enemy's work in a Christian family is very different than a family that is dead to Christ. Not only in the fact that no one in that household is born again, indwelled, but also that that household has no election glow to it. There's no, doesn't seem to be much of a calling going on there. Doesn't seem to be much work going on there yet of the Holy Spirit. But see, in a Christian home, it's different. There's a lot of movement. Every time you speak the name of Jesus, it stirs the spiritual world. Just the name alone of Jesus 
stirs things. So somehow the enemy has got to twist things up and use the kind of rejection in a child's life that that stirring no longer affects that child for when they become or are brought to the point of the tree of life for salvation that he somehow thinks that they're not going to enter in. Here's our opening statement. Identity is the door. If you could just picture in your mind a door. One of my most favorite things to do is to open the door and greet someone. Whether it's home, whether it's here, whether it's opening the door for someone at the bank or whatever. It, it, it's an opportunity to start relationship. This is the exact dynamic of salvation. When Jesus said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and invites me in, I will come in and dine with them. The door. Identity is the door. Identity is just another word. It's another description of Jesus. He is the identity bearer of eternity. I do believe there's passages that actually say that Jesus is eternity. His life is eternal life. So identity is the door to your earthly destiny and for all of us our eternal destiny. There are some homes that if you walk up the sidewalk, particularly this time of the year, it just looks evil. You just sense evil. And you come inside and you sense death. I mean, there's just no life in it. And basically what you're seeing and sensing and experiencing is a confession of a destiny. Of most likely, these people are going to go to hell. Unless they receive Jesus Christ. The only life source in a home is Jesus Christ. It's not having a Bible on your coffee table. It's not going to Bible studies and learning about this Jesus Christ. It's not going to church, sitting in a pew and listening to a great preacher. It's Jesus. He is the light. He is the life. And Satan does not want the people to get that. You think Satan is threatened by you going to church? If you are believing that, you've been trained poorly. He wants you in church. You think Satan is bothered by you reading your Bible? Are you kidding me? He wants you reading your Bible. Because he's a busy boy making translations that are going to lead you right to his religion. 
There's a translation out there right now, this gender-friendly NIV, that is shaking the foundation of the church. And I've got testimonies of solid Baptist preachers that are converting to this new NIV, just like we predicted. So therefore, the warring of the issues that come with a gender-friendly Bible will no longer be an issue in their church. That's how he does it. He doesn't want to keep you out of the church. He doesn't want to keep you from reading the Bible. He wants to keep you from the indwelling life of Jesus Christ. That's what he wants to keep you from. Identity is the key to the decisions that you make the actions that you will carry out, and ultimately it is confessing whether you are a follower of this Satan through churchy kinds of stuff, or if you are a follower and indwelt by Jesus Christ, which is life forever after. That is what Satan is intimidated by. So we need to talk about how he gets these subtle covert lies into our lives. Welcome, all of you that have joined our podcast. If you're brand new to this series, this is number eight of the Identity Theft series. But we really encourage you to take the time, get back and listen to one. And move forward into what you're hearing tonight. Because each one of them are very, very progressive. So this is number eight of the Identity Thief Theft series. And our message today is the Identity Thief Rejects Children. So Satan hurts children through rejection. Now... I don't think he has as much power as a lot of people give him. He has to manipulate others around those children to provide that rejection for him. It, it, there's a group of believers out there that give Satan way too much power. Just as Eve was out there walking around in the Garden of Eden... He had no power to come and drag her over to the tree. He had no power to carry that, that pear over to her and say, eat. He had no power to come grab her arm and pull her over. He had to deceive. He had to do the same thing Jesus does. It's no different. Come unto me, all of you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Satan somehow had to twist things of God so that he is the master of wordsmithing, and he had to use those words to draw her unto himself and make her weary and make her heavy laden. And so Jesus comes along and says, well, all of you who have been made weary and heavy laden by Satan, come unto me and I will give you Rest, which is one of the 225 names of Jesus. Rest. Seventh day was a day of rest. There's no works involved in it. There's no reading it. 
There's no studying it. It is just simply a name. Rest. He set the whole stage so we had to do no work and he was going to do all the work through us. And Satan does not want that to happen. So Christ's passion and purpose is that every child grow up unto himself through ending self on the cross through co-crucifixion. I have been crucified with Christ. This puts a child in the position of being a vessel for his wellspring of living, gushing water of life to flow in, and of course through and out to others on an intentional basis and even when it's not intentional, by observation of life flowing out of you. And that even can happen with children. We have Christ's own word that he would provide this beautiful, powerful overflow without any effort on our part. And here's what he said. He that believeth on me out of his belly, which King James uses belly, and it's a actually good translation to read this particular verse because it keeps it attached to the sarxes, the flesh. And they would talk about out of the belly. It's the deepest thing they could think of is the stomach. But it means inner man. So out of his inner man shall flow rivers of living water. Those of you who are aware of the book of Revelation you know that the tree of life is in the center of the New Jerusalem in this 1,500 square mile block city that's going to come down out of the, the stars. It can't touch our earth and it's going to kind of hover right over the old Jerusalem and living water comes out of this tree and flows out to the entire city. Now, can you imagine that living inside your mortal body? That's a little intimidating. So what does it mean to be rejected? Any ideas? Oh, the Holy Spirit's bringing us the answer. It is withholding love from another. Okay, we've all learned what love is, right? What is it? Huh? Love is God. So rejection, stay with me, 602. I love this one. 602-292-2982. This is an awesome one. Please text me. And I want to thank those of you who do text me and send me emails. And some of your questions are pretty intense. 
It's a great way to start a little dialogue of the stuff the enemy's got inside of our minds that simply blocks the flow of the living water, which is the mind of Christ. Those things that bind up are like putting stumbling blocks in the river. And, and the, the, the living water doesn't seem to flow to where it needs to go. And that's what we're discussing here. So rejection is withholding God from another. That's all it is. This I love you gospel that's going around, the social gospel, is a pain in the neck to start with. But secondly, it's so Laodicean, it makes my stomach sick. Love isn't about us. It's about God. God is very focused on making sure we get His Son so we can become one with love. Therefore, that flow will come forth from us. And yes, that happens to be love. So when Jesus took all of the laws and he reduced them down to two basic commandments, do you remember what those are? Yes, that's, a, that's where we're in the middle of, those two. What is it? So to love him, and the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. Well, if you really take a look at how people love themselves, that verse does not make sense. So there's got to be a different meaning. So the first commandment is for me to give Jesus back to God. Wow. The second is for me to give Jesus to others. Wow. But you see what the enemy mastered is to twist up the concepts and beliefs of love. And he's made it all about humanoids. It's always about, you know, what they need from God. So Satan is interested in developing very, very, very selfish children that have needs. He's interested in the church to, to build programs to meet those needs. Not to give them life, but to meet those needs. It should be common sense that if someone's hungry, you give them food. If someone needs some clothes, give them some clothes. But it's not our mission. Our mission is to make sure they receive Christ. I think we got it all bunched up. Here's Satan's view or his version. Satan's passion and purpose is that every child grow up unto himself by way of increasing self that ultimately denies the power of the cross of Christ. This puts the child in the position of being a vessel for his scheme. 
which is human humans being trapped in his rejection cycle, which tends to be continuous, uninterrupted, and has lifelong manifestations of a lack of trust toward authority figures. Now, all the people I've ministered to my adult life, when they get that peace, there's a major shift in the way they function. See, what this is all about with Satan is simply to have the person resist authority. You see, that affects strong preachers, it affects strong disciplers, it affects strong teachers, it affects all of God's ministry across the board. So what Satan has to do is to come up with some kind of plan to get children to resist authority. Because God doesn't speak through anyone who does not have authority. You see, authority comes from author, the one who wrote the book. So whether you're eight years of age or 80 years of age, the only way God will release his spirit in and through you is if you're dependent upon the author. Outside of that, you're going to have to go to cemetery and get a master's degree in theology. That's the only way you're going to come up with some words. Maybe you'll devotionalize Jesus so well that you can repeat the words of the author you're studying. That's not Jesus. Regurgitating is like throwing up. You're eating all this stuff from all these authors and you throw it up onto someone else as if it's some kind of canned presentation. Is there anyone here that enjoys canned presentations? I don't think I've preached the same message twice in my life. The power of the Holy Spirit is fresh and new every day. Satan is the one with canned messages. Same old, same old. You've been listening to Identity Matters Podcast. We appreciate having you join us today. Feel free to log on to our website at www.iomamerica.org. We have lots of resources available for you on the believer's identity in Christ. Again, thank you for joining us.